Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 435. It's the end of the year, and that means it is time for our New Year's wishes. This episode, we're going to be wishing for new things in the cruise industry for the year to come. Here we go. With the end of the year here, it is time once again to make some wishes. It's our annual tradition here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where... Uh, we look forward to a new year, new year of cruising primarily, and also like, you know, other things, uh, family and friends, I guess. I don't know. But it's really just about another year of cruising and new itineraries, new places to go. But also, it's an opportunity to think about ways we'd like to see change. If we could make three w- new year wishes, uh, assuming that is a thing in the universe that we would like to see in the cruise industry change, uh, this is the time in which to do so. And joining me once again to... Make wishes, accurate or not, is uh, Billy Hirsch from CruiseHabit.com. Billy, welcome back to the Real Green Blog Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I got to say, after the uh, the last year and a half, you said uh, wishes, you know, if that is a thing in this universe. And I was like, oh, if the wishes are a thing, because for a brief moment, I thought you meant if uh, if we were actually going to make it to next year. Um, a <laughs> little, little pessimistic as of late. But thank you for having me back uh, in the event that we have a next year. Well, I just got to say that I this year's way this year's episodes to be far more, um, what's the word? Far more uh, um, positive, optimistic. Less I think depressing. than last year. Yeah, last year was all sorts of bad news, and I think you're going to see as we recap. We're going to recap our wishes from last year to see kind of how they stacked up, and then kind of go from there in terms of um, what our what our wishes are for for next for this coming year in 2022. But I got to say that, I mean, we had very we hit a very low bar last year. Don't forget, when we recorded this episode, you know, Royal Caribbean had just restarted cruises in Singapore, but there was no inkling of hope, if you will, for cruises here in the U.S. or even in Europe, for that matter. And I think a lot of us were feeling the, the you know, we were a little frustrated, I think, is probably the, the best way to describe it. So certainly... The opportunity now this year to be a little more positive, I, th- I think, for for everybody is is kind of a welcome change. And, um, uh, you know, anyway, so with that being said, uh, keep in mind that these were written at a different time. Uh, and the um, uh, Billy, why don't you start off with your your three wishes and we'll see how many you got right from from last year. All right. I, I remember as I was writing these last year that we were uh, the way we were dressed, I think we had on like old brown suits like maladjusted ties and an empty bottle of whiskey like uh, like an old detective movie uh so just for the record feeling good feeling good today despite going over last year's wish uh so mine number one i wanted shoreside guest services um the idea being uh sometimes guest services on the ship gets busy mm-hmm. and i thought you know internet it's a thing technology should be able to not offshore that, but onshore that. So that was my number one. Uh, you want me to go straight through the rest? Uh, well, let's we'll go. go let's we'll go through. We'll go through each one, but then also kind of go with like. I mean, so shoreside guest services that was uh, not granted. I guess we're gonna say. Yeah, I'll say not granted. I'll tell you that um, I, I do have a little bit of hope, mm-hmm. and that hope is because uh, Matt actually, when you and I were hanging out at an industry event a few months ago. I talked to someone at Royal Caribbean, and I asked, said, uh, what, uh, what's one thing that where you, you think you could do better where you're missing the mark and technology is the solution? And the answer that Royal Caribbean gave us was 
guest services. Mm. They said, you should be able to, if, if you have a question, if you have a problem, you shouldn't have to go wait in line. You should be able to text someone. And uh, there are a couple other cruise lines that have begun doing that. And I believe there was even a brief discussion about, yes, yeah, some of those things potentially being handled by people that aren't on the ship, just so that there's a, a larger pool of people available to get those questions answered more quickly so that you can spend more of your cruise time cruising. So we're not there, but I'm, feel, I'm feeling okay about it. Yeah. I mean, we're, things are moving in that direction. And I think to your point, Billy, the industry recognizes that. I mean, so it wasn't too long ago that the mustard drill required everybody to stand around and you know, in, in a single file line when it's 90 degrees outside in South Florida and think, and we all thought, well, this is just, uh, this is fine. Um, with the, instead of the house being on fire, uh, we're on fire from the heat and sweating to death, but you know, we're used to it. I, I like sweating into the same life jacket that the other uh, thousand people have sweat in on this deck before me. It's, uh, it feels good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, well, okay. Anyway, I'm just saying that something like that obviously has, has changed quite a bit, and I think uh, by the same token, we should expect that uh, a lot of that, you know, other things are there. There are no sacred cows in the cruise industry in terms of you know simplifying and improving things. So I think you got a good chance on that one. Certainly, the outlook outlook is good if this were a Magic Eight Ball. Uh, if this were a Magic Eight Ball, it would have leaked blue ink all over my uh, white linen shirt because you know I I wear the white linen shirt. White linen shirt, it's nice, nice. Uh, number two, you had on your list. Number two. Um, and this one, this one already became true literally as I, as I said it that, uh, that day I, I went back, uh, because Matt and I take great notes. So I did not spend my evening last night listening to the previous year's podcast no. at like 1.6 speed. No, 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 no. Um, I wanted app check-in on all Royal Caribbean ships where you could check in, uh, you know, put in certain information ahead of time via the app, take your picture and then show up to the, to the terminal and just have them, um, you know, maybe whether it's scan your app or, you know, I didn't really care how they did it, but I wanted the type of experience that they were, that they had been using on some ships. Um, I, I wanted that for all of the ships. And as it turns out, while we were prepping for that episode that day, Royal Caribbean announced that that was the plan. And subsequently, uh, you tell me, Matt, are, are there any ships not doing it at this point? Because I, I think they're all doing it in the, in the fleet. Yeah, no, they pretty much, uh, again, I don't want to ever say thanks COVID, but this is kind of like one of those like positive things to come out of a negative, And that is that, yeah, they're, they're absolutely, uh, doing that. And, uh, it's, it's now like a requirement, uh, in, uh, so in just app support in general, that wasn't a thing before the pandemic. You still had a lot of ships that were not supported. So not only do you have the, um, not only do you have ship support for the fleet, but you also have the opportunity to do the, the check-in for the entire fleet, which is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we talked about it last year, but it just, it, it, it makes it so that one, as soon as you arrive to the terminal, every, all the guests are already familiar with the app. So they're familiar with the idea that there's stuff to support the cruise experience in the app. It, it you know, you spend less time, less time waiting in the terminal. Great thing. So I'm, I'm very glad, as you said, thanks COVID. D don't, don't write in. Uh, you know what I mean? Contextualize that. Um, <laughs> very glad that one worked out. Yep. So uh, number three, yep. Number three, I said I wanted to um, simplify the game. I think that's one of the terms that I used. And what I mean is, there's so much. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity um, 
in a lot of lines, but I think rural Caribbean could benefit especially from this. So think about simplifying the dress code so that there's no ambiguity anymore. Decide what you want, enforce what you want, whatever it is. I don't really care. Um, passports, you know, oh, well, passports you don't need under this circumstance, but if this port just require passports across the board, um, build in gratuities, you know, may, just simplify things. And I, I don't know if we've got there. I don't know if I see much in that direction for Royal. We, we actually saw that direction uh, somewhat for uh, celebrity. Yep. Sister yep. brand. It, it's funny. I mean, I think, uh, I, I mean, I'm with you in the sense that I think there are certain things that should be part of the cruise fair and certainly just grouped together. And then, but there, there's quite a different thought process depending on, I guess, your personal opinions on what should or should not be part of the cruise fair and what isn't. Um, but no, I have. I don't think there's been any movement in that regard as as it pertains to Royal Caribbean. You know, um, I I think that it's just uh, for for better or worse, it's they're they're holding the line on that, and I, I'm I'm thinking that it's just uh, wish not granted, unfortunately. Better luck next year. Yep. Uh, my wishes. I was really reading back on what, what I wished for last year. I did pretty. I think I did pretty well for myself, all things considered. Uh, my first you one did was very well. A fair shake from the CDC. Which, to be again, to be fair, that uh, that was a very low. <laughs> I was basically asking for, uh, please, sir, I have another um, <laughs> from the CDC. I didn't ask for uh, a whole lot there, but I think what's interesting, if you look back at what happened, again, we recorded this episode. This was during the conditional sale order to be had been issued, but little did we know that there was actually uh, it was basically the same thing as the no sale order. There just wasn't. There wasn't any, the cruise lines didn't have any information to actually get started. They wouldn't get that information until sometime in the spring. That being said, they, I, I think the relationship between the CDC and the cruise lines went from combative to collaborative. And we've seen that in a lot of ways, not only in the, you know, in, in some of the uh, language, if you will, that the cruise lines are using. The cruise lines at one point were very, uh, you know, they, they didn't quite go to the point of really calling the CDC out per se. I mean, but they, they, they definitely, they definitely were not holding back in some regards and pointing out examples of where the CDC is holding them back. But that has really changed a lot. And I think once the ship started getting approval to go and the CSO was truly now like a functional document and not uh, another way of saying the no-sale order, that that all changed. And clearly, the working relationship the cruise industry has with the CDC has been uh, very fruitful um, in the sense that cruises are going again. I mean, I'm not you know, it's not by far the cruise lines are not are still being held to a double standard compared to every other sector of travel in the sense that the CDC has far more oversight on them at, compared to any other over, uh, any other sector of travel. But it's better than it was back in December. And I think that you could say that it is a certainly a fairer shake from the CDC. Yeah, m miles more fair. And uh, it actually, if I were, if I'm remembering properly, it took a while after we recorded the last episode before that really became true. Right. Yeah. Because the conditional sale order was announced and. Uh, a lot of us were cautiously optimistic, and it turns out that when the conditional sale order uh, first came out, that was a bit like um, if you talk to a uh, a bank or mortgage broker and you got pre-approved for a mortgage. Like <laughs> you are so far from having the house, um, <laughs> so True. many steps that are far out of your control. And uh, at some point, you know, we saw that shift where they started working together more, and now we're at a point that when we do see see these adjustments. Uh, and many of them are minor these days, but there are still ongoing adjustments. They are very much informed by 
not only uh, collaborative discussion between the CDC and the cruise lines, but in a lot of cases, by data that um, and experience experiences that the cruise lines have been able to share with the CDC. And and that's what was lacking, right? Now, of course, it was lacking because chicken or the egg kind of thing before. If there's no cruising, how can we share what's going on on the ship? Now, there was in other countries, but I, I get it. It's the CDC. Um, and now, you know, the the very cruising that is taking place is in many cases being used to inform what adjustments are needed. In some cases, that means more stringent. And in some cases, it's mean loosening things up. And uh, I, I have a hunch that in uh, a month, I think about a month, when technically the CISO expires, we'll see, may get renewed, um, but that we may see some further adjustment based on those experiences. Yep, absolutely. Um, my number two was more updates, even when no updates, which I think Richard Fain single-handedly accomplished this yeah. one for me. Uh, <laughs> he was Father Christmas on this one. He was uh, I, I mean I, i'm obviously a little biased here but you know correct if you think i'm wrong here billy let me know but i thought that fane was really an, a leader in the industry he emerged even more so as a leader in the industry in the sense that he was more, one of the if not the most vocal industry um executive to really just give updates and there were a lot of times where it just seemed like it was doom and gloom and he would do an update and be like and then you'd watch him be like you know what i don't feel so bad anymore i think this is actually you know not not it makes you feel a little more comfortable um, with, with what was happening. And certainly he spoke a lot of times in which there really weren't updates, but you know, his basically his, his sense of a lot of things, especially what's happening behind the scenes. And, you know, we, we see the horizon it's there, you know, we're, we're traversing it. We, we anticipated these things, blah, blah, blah. All that I think contributed to exactly what we, what we wanted. I mean, I think I made this wish it from a corporate communication standpoint, but at the same time, I felt like I still got what I wanted in the sense that, we got more less of a less of this absence of information and quiet in the darkness and more of a just uh, you know periodic updates and certainly i think uh uh this one was accomplished i i do too and um I've no reason to flatter you because you've already paid me all the money you owed me. But uh, I think part of that actually was because of you. And what I mean is uh, some people may or may not realize a lot of those updates from uh, from CEO Richard Fain were directed at their what they call travel partners, travel agents, travel advisors. Yep. Um, and you helped make it so that everyone got to see those messages because, yeah, there were little parts that were specific to travel agents. But the message overall, the 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 up the, the constant updates, the um, best as possible transparency and and message of hope, those were applicable to everyone. So uh, I appreciate it. I you know I, a lot of time I would uh, I got to watch those on your YouTube channel before I even saw them through my own means. So <laughs> so uh, so thanks for bringing those to the people. And now I think what we all want um, to take away from Richard Fain's routine uh, his regular cadence of, of updates that that the industry appreciated uh, we want to see richard fain's book of idioms because boy <laughs> you, there were so many of them <laughs> what was the one what was one like horse horse cocky was that the one or there, i don't know what there, that is there, there was a there was a very colorful means. word i believe in the 1920s <laughs> to describe something that you certainly think is uh uh, certainly not accurate and, and quite, fr quite frankly, insulting. Um, there were, there were a couple of videos in there that he dropped that were just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Let's uh, publish it. Get him to sign it. There you go. That'll be uh, that'll be New Year's present for both of us. And uh, if you thought my first two were a little wishy-washy, a little like, well, I, I I lowered the bar so much that I couldn't I could have almost gotten it no matter what. Well, number three I thought was right on the nose, and that is I wish for a PPSA waiver, especially for Alaska. And wish granted, that's exactly what happened. Uh, they had the PVSA waiver, which I couldn't believe passed when it did. It 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 kind of got around. Evidently, I didn't even know this was a thing. I was 20, 21 years old when I realized that you can pass a bill through Congress without a vote as long as nobody objects to it in the first place. I thought you still had to vote no matter what. But uh, it, it got through. Kudos to uh, the delegation from Alaska for making it happen. But we had a partial uh, cruise season from Alaska. Uh, in 2021, and that was because of the PVSA waiver, which allowed uh, essentially cruise ships to skip Canada and sail from the United States to Alaska without having to stop in a foreign country, which is required otherwise under the Passenger Vessel and Services Act, sometimes erroneously called the Jones Act. And uh, we got it. And uh, uh, I know they introduced new legislation to make that permanent. That was only for the 21 season. Uh, I don't think that bill has gone anywhere for the permanent one, but, uh, you know, listen, I was pretty unoptimistic about the first one passing. So who am I to say that it, what its chances are? Yeah, I, I think the the motivation for making it permanent is, is less. And, and we should say that uh, that the Alaska Tourism Recovery Act was the name of it. And that also only applied to the Pacific Northwest Alaska sailings. Yep. did not apply to Northeastern Seaboard. And yeah, might we see a permanent exemption one day? Maybe, but quite frankly, if you've ever been to Vancouver or Victoria, you probably have found that it's lovely and you might want to go there on your cruises. So yep. uh, I, I I might almost be disappointed if that ever became permanent. Um, if, uh, despite the best actions of Matt, who I didn't even know you were a registered lobbyist, uh, <laughs> D- d- despite uh, your best efforts, there were a lot of people that didn't think this was going to happen. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. And evidently, the uh, the many um, MPs in the Canadian Parliament didn't think it was going to happen because uh, several members of the U.S. government said, hey, uh, Canada, you sure you don't want to work something out letting us stop there because we're about to just totally skip you? And they're like, no, 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 we're not having any of that. And within like an hour of this uh, passing, hmm. those MPs were calling up and saying, are you sure we can't work something out? Which I thought was really um, uh, funny and depressing all at the same time. Nobody thought we could get anything done. So, <laughs> But you called it, man. You you called it. You said, especially for Alaska, that's what happened. So you get uh, 100% of the non-existent points. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, let's move on to our wishes for this year. Uh, some new wishes all around. And uh, as the guest, Billy, I'll let you uh, get us started. I'm just going to repeat all of mine because none of them came true. No, uh, I will repeat none of them. So number one, I want to see different restaurants on Royal Caribbean, different or, or, or updated. That, that can work too. Um, specialty, complimentary, yes. This was partially inspired by, um, I, I take a fair share of Royal Caribbean cruises and, and enjoy sailing Royal. But you know, some of the dining was getting a little bit repetitive for me. And Matt, you and I, we jumped on Odyssey of the Seas a couple times, but together uh, several months ago yep. and went to Giovanni's on Odyssey. And it is a totally different Giovanni's. Oh, yeah. Completely different. Um, different decor, different menu, uh, fantastic cuisine. And I thought, wow, uh, they need to do this across the fleet. And I thought, well, why stop there? Right. Um, 
there, there are probably improvements that could be made to the MDR menus, uh, maybe to some other complementary venues, maybe just changing it up, maybe even just new names in some cases. I just think there's an opportunity to change some stuff up uh, with dining. And I'm not talking about, oh, get rid of all the specialty or make more specialty, just to change up some, some menus and experiences a la Giovanni's on hmm. Odyssey of the Seas. I would welcome that. Um, and by the way, these wishes—I I forgot to mention—if you haven't heard this, these episodes before, we're we're making wishes that we think are have like a, a realistic wishes. We're not wishing for like I want seven new cruise ships, you know, or something like that, or something. We're trying to be practical with our wishes. But I would I would definitely welcome that. You know, um, it looks like with uh, with the wonder of the seas, they're definitely going to be going back to some newer restaurant concepts. I know that Hooked is on there. I know that Giovanna's Italian Kitchen is on there. But it'd be great. Billy, if we could see a new concept come out there, I mean, you know, progress moves slowly when it comes to you know rolling things out, but uh, I think they're on to something with some of these new concepts, and I certainly uh, would welcome, uh, I for one would welcome our new restaurant overlords uh, if that meant uh, some tasty eats along the way. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and that's not to say, just as you pointed out with Hooked and whatnot, um, it's not to say there have been no changes over the years, yep. right? We got a local fresh cafe two seventy. Well, that's not that new, but, uh, really great. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get. Well, if, if we, uh, if we get a, uh, so much as a new dessert in cafe promenade, I'm going to mark this one a success one year from now. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, Again, setting the bar very high over here on the Roller from Black podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, my, uh, you know, I, I benefit from low standards. There you uh, go. It's, the, it's the only reason anyone likes me. <laughs> my first wish for 2022 is for the chat feature in the Royal Caribbean app to go free. Uh, right now, the chat feature costs $1.99 per person per day. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, I, I, first, look, I all understand Royal Caribbean is a for-profit company. They lost billions with a B of dollars over the last 22 months or so. And there's probably more losses coming and hopefully not as bad, but you know, they're not out of the, out of the, out of the woods yet. That being said, I think the chat feature is not where you go to, uh, to, to reap those revenues. I think the chat feature, uh, is something that number one draws people to the app to use it. It's a compelling feature. It was free while they were testing out it before the pandemic. And I just think that uh, it is something that, should be free because again it's just for 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 planning it's such a big difference and having access to it would make a big difference um you know i would even settle for the chat feature being free if you bought an internet package granted i always buy the internet package but to me it's absolutely ludicrous that if i pay for the internet package the chat feature in the app still costs money it seems like it seems uh, it just seems silly now that being all that being said i know some of you are probably yelling at your car radios right now but the uh michael bailey did say that he was going to change to free during a um, uh, Q&A session with travel agents while on Odyssey of the Seas during a media cruise. And uh, he mentioned that. But again, I'm not sure if that was idle chatter if or what. I mean, it has not happened yet. We're, we're more than a month out. And as far as I know, it still costs money. So I'm going to hold his feet to the fire on this one and hope that we get the chat feature for free because whether he makes that promise or not, I, I think it's irrelevant. It needs to be a free feature because it's just, it helps Royal Caribbean. It makes guests happier and it's going to drive people to use the app more, which probably is going to make them spend more money in other ways regardless. So for all those reasons, I think it's worthwhile to, uh, to, um, to, to make that feature free. 
I would, I mean, this is your wish, so I don't mean to amend your wish. I would say, um, I, I'd look at it differently. Providing some way for guests to communicate with each other for free. Um, I worry a little bit that they spent a lot of work with that chat feature. I know it seems simple. There are just, there are some challenges like with notifications, they had challenges for a while. Um, this kind of reminds me of infotainment systems in cars where like, why, why is Toyota, you know, trying to make human interface devices, you know, for technology, like outsource that stuff, right? Have have somebody else do it. A little surprised that Royal or no one else has partnered with, doesn't matter whether it's Microsoft or WhatsApp or whoever to just make it so that they sort of embed an existing messaging platform in the app and then open that up on the ship's internet so that it just works. Yeah. Um, if, if that would make it so that we could get what we wanted and Royal Caribbean didn't have to maintain a separate um, set of features, I think that would be just fine too. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, let's hope for that. Uh, number two, Billy, what do you got? Number two, uh, number two, I, I need to use different fonts when I make my 21, 21 <laughs> list, um, Comic Sans, less intrusive on, <laughs> I'm, I'm very old. I can't see the print anymore. Uh, less intrusive onboard sales. Um, and I say this fully recognizing that anytime someone buys something, whether it's that $5 t-shirt, um, down in the Royal Promenade or something a little more fancy in one of the, the watch shops or whatever the case may be. They are helping to subsidize my cruise because generally I don't buy stuff retail. Uh, and if you do, that's cool. No problem. Um, I get that. I get the onboard uh, retail sales are very important for Royal Caribbean. I'm a little over how much it can clog things mm-hmm. <laughs> when they have sales. And I just can't help but feel there's got to be a way. And I hear other guests say the same thing. So I just can't help but feel that there's not a way to uh, maintain, perhaps even grow that onboard revenue for them without taking away from the guest experience of the poor schmuck that's just trying to find his way over to the Crown and Compass pub through a sea of people buying shirts. Um, so, you know, I, what I was even thinking, and and I'm, I'm sp- sort of kind of maybe stealing this idea from Princess Cruises. Uh, I just was on a princess sailing lately. And in their app, you could uh, buy certain things. Now, mostly it was just for room service, but there were actually a couple things like that that you could buy. Uh, and you could even gamble within the app. They had games, um, like uh, think of it, casino in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. Why couldn't Royal Caribbean uh, push things like that into the app? Make it even easier. Hey, check out this T-shirt. We'll bring it right to your room if you want it. You still have the opportunity to exchange it if you need for a different size or something, but make it even easier. Reduce that friction while also reducing the crowding a little bit. I, I mean, I would love that. Uh, you know, it's. I, I, I think you're. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that anything's really going to truly change because of it i feel like you've got your your uh it's i mean i certainly agree with you but i feel like it's just the they don't they wouldn't be doing it for as long as they've been doing it if it didn't work essentially is kind of my read on it like telemarketing right yep exactly someone's someone's buying something isn't it is uh is not um hey get rid of this thing it's do it differently in a way that still gets you that same you know that also works for you but increases guest satisfaction. That's how you. That's how you double win, right? Yep. Um, 
So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not super optimistic about this one, but uh, it'd be nice. Now, of course, I'll half get my wish, and in the next year, they will start selling things in the app and also uh, having $5 sales in the Royal Promenade. <laughs> my number two, self-serving, but this is pretty typical of me when I make these wishes. But that is something that I've noticed, at least on cruises so far, and that is for... Um, I, I put down here full capacity at Adventure Ocean. What I mean by that is... Uh, I'd like to see Royal Caribbean scale its operations, things that they've scaled back um, for limited capacity to match whatever their their onboard capacity is. What I mean by that is as we move into 2022, Royal Caribbean is going to move back towards essentially full capacity. The numbers they gave or the dates they gave uh, during their third quarter earnings call was that they anticipated by summer 2022 to be back at 100%. Uh, I think over the holiday season, certainly over Thanksgiving, we saw a higher numbers of of guests on board. And I fully expect for Christmas, we're going to see, I think, even higher than they anticipated or they said earlier. Maybe not 100%, but regardless, if they're going to be moving certainly well north of 50% capacity, if they're going to be moving into this 75, 85, 95% capacity, then you have to scale the rest of the operations to match that. And Adventure Ocean was one area that they was noticeably behind where they still had very limited capacity there. And that resulted in, you know, very few slots for kids to be able to go to. And um, while I appreciate that Royal Caribbean has been operating its kids club since the beginning of the restart, whereas other lines like Disney and Carnival did not, um, you know, it's something is better than nothing. I think that if you're willing to say, yes, we can have, you know, three, four, 5,000 passengers on board that you can afford to as well say, yes, we can have uh, the kids clubs operating again. But uh, again, very self-serving, but I, but I think that if you're going to go to that route, it seems like a logical change as well to do. Uh, Billy, no doubt you have many thoughts and comments on Adventure Ocean and kids programming on cruise ships in general. Oh, but I do. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I, 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 I do have a couple thoughts and a question for you because I, I wasn't aware of this, um, mostly because I don't listen when you complain. <laughs> and... Uh, I guess one. I'm wondering, for for those who might also be wondering, does this mean that they've not increased capacity in Adventure Ocean commensurate with the number of children on board? Because yes. what I am wondering is, you know, we've seen a much lower percentage of children sailing for several reasons um, since everything restarted than before the restart. So, is it even um, disproportionately low to that? To where there's trouble getting in, essentially. Yes, yes, correct. Essentially, the amount of slots for Adventure Ocean in November was essentially when we had four thousand passengers on board was akin to the same amount of, amount of uh, kids in Adventure Ocean they allowed on board back in you know June or July when they were sailing at like you know thirty percent capacity. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll find. Um, in starting in January, there are several cruise lines that are going to begin requiring uh, vaccines for younger persons now that uh, many children are eligible. Maybe we'll find that that will inform yep. some changes uh, there. Um, moving on to number three. This is your last wish, Billy. Use it wisely. Uh, so I would like to see uh, permanent, flexible booking. Um, sort of like Ooh. cruise with confidence. Yes. Uh, maybe not as forgiving. Um, so for, for those who may not be aware uh, before COVID 
most cruise lines had policies, including Royal Caribbean, that were essentially, if you were booking in North America or Australia, um, if you haven't hit your final payment yet, final payment date, you can cancel. If you have, uh, you can cancel, but it's probably not worth it. <laughs> um, you're you're losing, depending on when, some, some or everything. You're not able to reschedule. And then m- almost every cruise line, when things restarted, said, hey, we get it. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. So we're going to let you cancel up to 48 hours before uh, boarding, uh, embarkation day, and you'll get a future cruise credit, not a refund, but a future cruise credit so that you can use it another time. And I don't suspect that we will see, uh, a permanent change, um, to, to that, to the 48 hour thing, but I'd love to see something better than what we had before, because I understand why cruise lines want to hold on to money. It, listen, their business is like every other, but Man, there were depending on the 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 length of a sailing and things like that, you could be looking at something months away, and you have to cancel. and And what do you do? And people say, "Oh, well, there's travel insurance. Travel insurance doesn't necessarily cover you in this circumstance. And if you have canceled for any reason, insurance, it's only going to cover a portion of it, and that's after you paid a lot for the insurance. Travel insurance is great for many reasons, but that's a different conversation." Um, so I just I'd love I'd love to see something something a little more forgiving than what we had pre COVID. Yep, no, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one. Um, the uh, the last thing that I have I'm uh, maybe got a little lower on the um, on the wish wishes list here, but my last wish is for Royal Caribbean to announce the resumption of the Royal Amplified program. You know, a lot of people wondering you know, what was going to happen with certain ships, because as you all know, during 2020, the amplification program was canceled. Uh, that was the upgrades that like adventure or I'm sorry. Yeah. Adventure Explorer Allure, and other ship Liberty were supposed to get upgrades. They did not get them. And, um, as a result, they've, um, they've, uh, they've decided to, you know, put that essentially on hold, but I would love to see that program come back and have an announcement. Here is when those ships are going to get, uh, th- that update. Yeah. It, you know, that's, that, that would be absolutely wonderful. And it would help people with, with planning their trips as well, because maybe they want to go on a different ship, but they go, oh, geez, if this one's about to be totally redone and have all these, these lovely enhancements. And, and I, I mean it, I mean, the, the amplification really adds something to a lot of these vessels. Um, it would also be an opportunity for them to work in one of my wishes, which was the the new dining, potentially. So, well, uh, we shall see. But uh, I, I understand why Royal and other lines put those kind of things on hold. Um, they made they made fleets leaner. They they stopped uh, spending where they didn't need to. But now you you want people back and you want people excited about those experiences. So if you if you can put a date when that's going to happen, I think it gets people that have cruised before, especially uh, all the more excited about jumping back on board. Billy, thank you for uh, joining me here on the podcast this week. I appreciate it. Of course, you can check out Billy's work over at cruisehabit.com. Billy, I want to wish you a happy new year and happy holidays to all of our listeners out there. Thank you for helping me out again. Thank you, and I look forward to to, uh, to doing this again next year and somehow justifying all of our wishes having come true.
Time to answer the last Royal Green Blog podcast emails for the year. And of course, you can always send me your emails to be read in 2022 by sending them to matt at royalgreenblog.com, matt at royalgreenblog.com. Our first email is from Rob, who writes, Hi, Matt. Just wanted to thank you for the great podcast. My wife, Karen, and I, along with our 21-year-old son, returned from our first cruise ever. We were on a four-night Mariner of the Seas cruise to Perfect Day at Coco Key and Nassau. We had a blast. Perfect amount of family time. And our 21-year-old made a lot of friends clubbing all night long. Thanks to your podcast, we were prepared for our cruise. We're looking forward to taking our older son on the next cruise. And we are trying to figure out which ship to try next year. We're thinking of Freedom, Liberty, or Independence of the Seas. Do you have a favorite of the three? Do you have a favorite travel agent to use also? We booked on our own last trip, but this was uh, before we started listening to the podcast. I would like to use an agent next time. Anyway, thanks for all you do. And if anyone asks, yes, the basketball court is under construction and during our trip, extremely loud. Rob, thanks for the uh, email. And, uh, you know, which, first of all, I'm glad to hear that you had a great cruise on Mariner. That's fantastic. Uh, which ship should you do next between basically the three Freedom class ships, Freedom, Liberty, or Independence? I mean, since you haven't been on either of them, I would pick Freedom first. Freedom has been most recently refurbished. It actually, Freedom was the most recently refurbished. That was in 2020. Independence got refurbished in 2018. And Liberty didn't get her amplification like Independence and Freedom were supposed to have, but she still got an update fairly recently. But anyway, I would pick Freedom because it's got the newest and latest and greatest things that are on there. And for that reason, I would lean in that direction. Certainly, I don't think you're making a mistake by going on any of them. I think they're great. I'm not sure where you live, Rob. So a lot of people pick Liberty because they can get to Galveston a little bit easier than that. But all things being equal, I would definitely pick Freedom to be your next cruise to go on. I think it's a great ship. And I love, love, love some of the uh, changes they made on that. So I think you're gonna have a great, great time. Thank you for sharing your email with us. Next email is from uh, Kier, or Kerr, uh, from Albany, New York. Uh, this is Kerr, I get it, okay. So the username is Kier Matt, K-I-R-M-A-T-T. A loyal listener since episode one. I wanted to share an experience I had during the recent Black Friday sale. I previously booked a Cocoa Beach Club full day pass and noticed it was on sale for a much better price. I nervously canceled my reservation. When I went to rebook at the lower price, my worst fears came true. It was listed as sold out. I quickly called Royal Caribbean and they said they were just two, they had just two spots left and most likely the ones I had just canceled. It all worked out in the end, but I'm wondering, was there a different way I should have gone about rebooking? Should I not have tried rebooking such a popular item? Kierba, thank you for the email. I think actually I would have done exactly what you've done. In fact, that's what I usually do all the time, which is when you go to reprice something in the Royal Caribbean Cruise Planner, what you want to do is cancel first and then rebook. I mean, certainly there's no difference if you went to go rebook first, you would have, you know, I and then canceled 10 seconds later after you booked it. I guess maybe that's, there's no harm in doing it certainly that way. Although I think in your situation, you would have run into a sold out uh, notification, right? If you run into a, so, I guess, and in that situation, then then I would call Royal Caribbean and say, hey, I've got a book that I want to reprice it, but I don't want to lose it. You know, can you assist with this? That might be a, a better course of action. So that's essentially what you ended up doing in the end. But it's kind of interesting. I never thought about it the other way in terms of I would always cancel it first and then rebook it. Not that it really matters because as you all know, you're, this is all through a credit card. So even though there's no penalty or anything like that for canceling it, you know, it's not instant, right? It takes a couple days for the credit card companies to process everything. So whether you rebook first or cancel first, I don't know that it really has much of a difference, but hey, maybe uh, uh, a example here is an example or, or reason to rebook first and then cancel just to be on the safe side. So thank you for sharing that tip. It's a great one. Speaking of tips, we have another tip that should be shared here, and that is from uh, Kurt Pressure at Time App. I heard a tip 
someone had for a great spot at the Oasis Pool Bar on one of your podcasts. I don't remember which one it was. Do you remember that well-researched location? I want to find location for my very first visit. A great spot at the Oasis Pool. The only thing I can think of, Kurt, honestly, is I'm not familiar with any real tips like this spot is better than the others. Uh, a couple things come to my mind. One is uh, maybe the person was just talking about the fact that, you know, being at the swimming bar is really nice. I'm thinking, I'm truly trying to think of like, and that's not really much of a tip. You already know that, Kurt. But I'm trying to think of, the only place I can think of is there are these little islands. If you're facing, if you if you stand with your back to the swim-up bar, there is a little island between you and where you swim out to. It's got little trees on top of it. Anyway, there's a lot of shade over there, and there's actually benches. And that tends not to be nearly as crowded as some of the other places. There's like swim-up tables closer to the... The south side of Oasis Lagoon, but those get very popular and, and taken up pretty quickly. But I'm thinking maybe those islands. I'm honestly not sure which tip you're referring to, but that's the only thing that comes to my mind, Kurt. So hopefully that answers your question there. I'm not sure how helpful it was, but maybe somebody can uh, help us out there. If I, we talked about another place that even I forgot about. Next email is from Billy Johns, who writes, uh, would you suggest parking at the terminal or at a parking go? I would assume being dropped off would be easier, especially after returning and everyone leaving the parking garage, but I haven't cruised in over 15 years. It's a good question. I am a firm believer or an advocate, if you will, of parking at the cruise terminal. I'm not a fan of parking off-site for a couple of reasons. Number one, parking off-site doesn't save you that much money. Number two, and more importantly, when you're parking off-site, you're going to be reliant on transportation to get you from the parking area back to the cruise terminal. And then when the cruise is over, from the cruise terminal over to the parking garage. Generally, what my experience has always been that there's just a delay. You've got to wait for the shuttle to show up. Then you're going to, uh, there may or may not be a line of other people who are trying to do the same thing. So it just takes longer. And for me, the convenience of parking at the terminal greatly outweighs whatever money you're saving. And in my experience, also, the amount of money you're saving by parking offsite is usually not that much. It's not like you're paying, you know, half or a third of it. It's just, you know, it's cheaper, but it's not that much cheaper. And I just, I think for the convenience factor, especially when the cruise is over and you're tired and upset that the cruise is over and you just want to get going, the last thing I want to do is compete with, you know, a a shuttle service. And of course, with COVID and sharing, a, you know, the, the bus with other people, that's just not of any interest to me at all. So for that reason, I'd go in that direction. We have time for one last email, and that is from Amanda F. Where it's, I have a question, and I'm hoping you can help. Our family is planning to fly in from Toronto to Orlando on December 26th. If we go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, would the Canadian government consider that international travel as we'll be in the Bahamas? I'm sure a lot of Canadians now have this worry as well, as if the American government will want us to quarantine when we arrive in America. If they do make that change, I am sure a lot of us will cancel, as we just have the time off to quarantine on both ends of the trip. Thanks for your help. Amanda, yeah, so by virtue, you're leaving Canada. That's an international trip. It doesn't matter the fact you're going on a cruise, you're going to the United States. Uh, it's a internet to get back in, Canadians need to have a negative test. Something that has changed actually as of this week is that uh, you're going to be okay on your cruise, December 26th. Uh, if your cruise is before January 5th, Royal Caribbean will still offer you a test, a complimentary test on board the ship so you can return home. So basically you go to guest services. I would go down there on day one or day two, be like, hey, we're from Canada. We need a we need to schedule a test at the end of this cruise so that way we can get back into Canada and they will schedule one for you. But for anybody listening to this episode, 
Uh, for guests sailing on or after January 5th, Royal Caribbean will no longer offer that on board. They will instead refer you to some land-based options. You could do either at the terminal or at the airport or some local testing sites, depending on where you're sailing out of, and that will not be complimentary anymore. That is a change, and I know that uh, there's actually a number of folks who are either from Canada or from the United Kingdom or elsewhere who are certainly not happy with that because it's not even the cost. I think a lot of people would say, oh, I would great, I, I'd pay for it if necessary. It's just the convenience of being able to do it on the cruise so that way you can walk off the ship and be on your way to the airport and, and start making your way home rather than having to you know, go somewhere else and have to get a test. It's inconvenient. I certainly understand that. I would be in, I would feel the same way if I were them that I would, you know, paying or not. I don't think it's an issue of cost. I mean, certainly it is an issue of cost, but I think truly what Royal, in my opinion, based on no inside information, just casual observation, I think the, this change is more about not overwhelming the needs of the testing on board. I remember when I was on Odyssey of the season November, I had to get a test to go stay on board for the next cruise. And they, uh, guest services scheduled me. And then when it was my time, a guest services officer escorted me downstairs. And there was actually a long line of crew members who were getting their tests because they have to get tested every week, I believe. And that was their day. Anyway, long story short, they cut me ahead of all the crew members. I felt terrible about it. I was like, oh my goodness, I hate being that guy. And, you know, these people are waiting in line and, you know, anyway, it, but they were busy down there, you know, and then you've got guests, you know, who are getting tests if they're not feeling well, all that. I, I think they're just looking for ways to not overwhelm their own internal testing system. And I think this is the lowest hanging fruit they could find. I don't know that for a fact. That's just my opinion on it. But uh, anyway, the good news is for you, at least uh, going on this cruise, Amanda, because you're cruising before January 5th, this will not this change will not affect you. But for anybody who is listening to this podcast and has cruises scheduled in 2022 or beyond, you should, uh, you know, certainly make plans and and be aware of this change because up until now, you know, Royal Caribbean had been offering these tests for international guests, but they're not going to be offering any more on board the ship. They still will uh, provide you with a testing location at or near the cruise terminal. So just keep that in mind as well. But regardless, you want to make sure you let guest relations know when you get on board that you're doing a test. So. Hopefully that answers your question. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can always send me your emails by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hodgeberg, and we'll talk again real soon.